singer to singer. Sophie Bancroft in conversation with jazz vocalist Fiona Duncan. Episode 4. Country music, jazz and the Clyde Valley Stompers. band was the first thing that opened my, a wee wedge in my head into to, to the a different thing. style of music. I mean, I'd listened to all of the piano players, right from the ones that Ian went through, from Fats Waller, Art Tatum, Errol Gardner, everybody, right the way through Monk, um, and really appreciated what they were doing, but never ever thought sort of... On the singing side of that, you know, it was just, oh, you know, you were just a silly kid and, you know, found something that you really liked doing mm. other than going to parties. You know, I preferred being on the watching, mm. you know. You know how you become almost a, mm. a people watcher yeah. when you're a singer? Yeah. I knew from very, very young that I wanted to do something. I think from watching my father and then I remember going to a, a concert party thing and seeing this girl tap dancing and and everybody was amazed at what she was doing, including me. And I can remember thinking, that's what I want to do, <laughs> you know. And uh, but you know, and I did. I went to dancing lessons for years, from when I was four till I was twelve, and I got too fat. Uh, and uh, you know, we did all the shows and everything, but I was never, never singled out for, you know, stardom or anything. I never felt like it. Just was something that I wanted to do, mm. and it was not the star status because I think. You know, people recognising you all the time must be really hard. Mm. I never had that problem, you know, except if I was doing something wrong and somebody would find me out. <laughs> <laughs> You're bored with me in every way. I can't understand you've changed. In 1957, just after I got back from the States and I'd done a lot of singing over there because I had my guitar and my uke with me and I I did a lot of singing and I was offered a recording contract. What, what kind of, what stuff were you singing at that point? Uh, I was doing Elvis Presley's uh, I Want to Be Your Teddy Bear and... Uh, 
last night listened on television to the Gaelic programme, which I never listened to, and it was about country music. And it was Errol Haggard and, you know, all, all that stuff that I heard when I was over in the States. I was six months there, and I used to put on the radio every day, and the great stations, and there'd be so many country shows. And I'd go from one and slot round. I heard, you know, all this country music that was really swinging stuff, you know. I loved it, I loved it. Four Walls, I used to sing, Out where the bright, Jim Reeves, Out where the bright lights are glowing, You're drawn like a moth to a flame. You laugh when the wine's overflowing, While I sit and whisper your name. Four Walls mm. to hear me, and I did that, and I did Bye Bye Love It and just come out. I heard the Everly Brothers from the first show they did on radio, and I watched it last night. This is crazy. Mm. First show they did, and then they started going round, and it got so big, and I heard them go from the country music show right to the top of the top 20, which had just started. Mm. And they got to number one with Bye Bye Love and Wake Up Little Susie. And I did all these on the, you know. And then I found uh, Honeycomb, which was Jimmy Rogers. And I sang Honeycomb for years. And, uh, you know, people now talk, if they ask me to do something, it's usually Salty Dog. In these days, it was when you sing Honeycomb. Right. That was, that was my song. You know, mm -hmm. I loved it. And sing a bit, I don't know it. Well, it's a darn good laugh, and it's kind of funny how the Lord made the bee and the bee, the honey and the honeybee looking for a home. Well, they called it a honeycomb. Well, they roamed the world looking everywhere, getting honey from here, honey from there, and they put it all in a little old part of my baby's heart. Well, honeycomb, oh, won't you be my baby? Well, honeycomb, be my own. He took a hank of hair, a piece of bone, he made a walking, talking, honeycomb, well, honeycomb, won't you be my baby, well, honeycomb, be my own, well, it's a darn good life when you've got a wife like honeycomb, I ain't got, huh, and then he goes up, and the Lord said, now that I made a bird, oh, it was great, yeah. great song. Yeah. And uh, that was my party piece for a long time. And then uh, there was another one. They played last night as well. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. And another one that was on last night is that was Johnny Cash. I did. Uh, she walks these hills with a long black veil. She beautiful songs. And funnily enough, later on in London, when before I went into the Georgian, and the work was starting to get a wee bit. Spacey then, I met uh, a country singer 
who was Cockney called Malcolm Price, and he had a group called the, I think, it, I can't remember, I think it was the Bluegrass Boys. Anyway, there was um, a five-string banjo player who was great. There was a very good guitar player. Malcolm played guitar himself and sang. And they, uh, we got together and started doing so. And I did quite a few broadcasts with them, doing things like, you know, uh, deep blue sea, Willie, deep blue sea, deep blue sea, Willie, deep blue sea, deep blue sea, Willie, deep. Blue sea, it was Willie that got drowned in the deep blue sea, and it was, and it was, you know, lower him down with a, and it was all very, you know, country accent. Yeah, yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it was great fun. John Field was the banjo player. He was quite well known, and uh, we did quite a lot of gigs in some of the folk clubs in London. And I was, you know, I was getting myself totally confused between whether I was doing a jazz gig or a folk mm. gig, you know, and it was two different voices right. I used to use. Yeah. I used to use a wee voice for the folk stuff, yeah. except if I was singing a Glasgow street song or yeah. something. And a different, just a bigger sound for the jazz stuff. And I never got these two together until very much later. Yeah. You know, yeah. I couldn't do, I couldn't sing a standard in that voice because it didn't feel right or sound right to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you that. Hmm. Do you understand? Well, I do understand. I think, I think our, our relationship with our bodies changes as we get older, yeah. you know, as we move through life yeah. and, and then, I mean, I'm certainly experiencing that and, you know, and then I find different sounds coming out or that I want to access yeah. because of the emotion. Yes, Whereas yes. when I was younger, it would be very compartmentalised yeah. or something. Yeah, don't let that out. It's mm. too shaky or, yeah. Or, th or expectation of what you ought to yeah, sound like. Yeah, what it should sound, mm. you think it should sound like. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a trouble, isn't it? It's what you think other people want to hear. Each memory that we share. You ignore every star above you. I just can't realize you ever care. I can remember that, that album that I did with that Lonnie Donegan, he was my A&R man, and uh, he came into the studio during the recording and said, uh, Bobby Darn has just brought out a cover on Louis Armstrong uh, doing Mike the Knife. So I think we should just do it, you know. And uh, so there was that one. And then he came in and said, how would you fancy if I do a duet with you on just a closer walk? And I said, okay, you know. Oh. And I wish I'd not bothered because he was the hardest person to sing oh. with. 
you know, I was doing the harmony. And uh, and he, he kept, you know, doing his wee diddly things with his voice, but not at the places I expected <laughs> him to do them. And uh, on one point in it, tried to move on to a note, a different note, and hit this absolute freezer. <laughs> And it was, you know, and I got off it so quickly. But I thought, they'll, they'll sort that. They didn't, Sophie. Mm. And I used to, I sat for years in people's houses when they put this on, mm. waiting for this one note, which was near the end of the album. And I could use it before I got to it, I'd be sitting going, and then I'd, I'd look around and I'd look at people's faces and people are not really listening, <laughs> you know. And I used to, and then the day they deleted the albums, the, you know, it was end of its life, they deleted it and they brought it out next month in CD. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> So I've got that there to remind me. <laughs> and, and it's terrible. And Mac the Knife, we did what he recorded 21 times. Wow. The full length, and it was at this tempo. Oh, da, da, da. And you know how many verses there are in yeah. it? 21 times. Oh, 21 times. And by the time the last recording, we had to stop because the band was rubbish at first. My voice was great. Then halfway through, the band was not quite so rubbish and my voice wasn't quite so great. Yeah. And at the end, the band was great and my voice was <laughs> rubbish. So they took one from the middle, but it's mm. like that tempo. Can you remember any of the, the Glasgow Street songs that you used yeah. to sing? Well, that was, I was lodging with Big Aggie, was one of them, and uh, uh, Govan is a busy place upon a Friday night, and the billiard halls in there are busy too. There's many a strongly fancied lad been raffled in the fight, while fiddling with the colours and the cues. So don't stand and look around when the cues are upside down and the bars are flying fast, very far and near. For whether you're to blame, you'd be better off at him when they're honing out the message in your ear. <laughs> and there was so many of these. <laughs> I used to love these songs, you know. I'm... <laughs> Barnyards of Delgate and the Bothy Ballads. I sang a lot of the Bothy it's Ballads. It's amazing watching you sing that because it, it kind of, it's a different part of you that I'm not very familiar <laughs> with. Seeing, you know, always having seen you sing jazz. <laughs> what was it? Last Saturday with sausage, I we had it on a plate. I was just gone to devour it when the sausage it said, wait. Afore you stared on me, I was born in 1903. And we gave blin when the sausage it did run. Fair in we hoose, fair in we hoose. 
And last Saturday with rabbit man, I couldn't stand the pain. In fact, one fella snuffed it and another's gone insane. Aggie said it was the flu, but I don't think that is true. For our Tom Cat Prince has been missing ever since. Fearing. <laughs> Yeah. What made you In go? the first place, the yeah. Stompers. Right. We went down there, went down there with the Stompers, and that was 1959. Uh, and, I mean, we were six weeks on the road. We left Glasgow and we drove to, we did whatever gigs on the way down, and we were supposed to be based in London, but it was too expensive. So we went to South End, which is miles further south. Mm. And we had digs in South End. And then uh, we're traveling all that M25 after the M1 onto the, it wasn't, and it was the A25, and it was a terrible road. So we were always on the road, and we did six weeks down there. No nights off, Sophie. Mm. Then we drove up to Scotland and we had two nights off and we did four weeks every night in Scotland. Then we had two nights off and drove back down doing yeah. gigs all the way down for six. Now, we did that for two and a half years yeah. and it was like that. Yeah. Every six weeks, every four weeks, six yeah. weeks Six weeks, four weeks, six weeks, four weeks. We did a summer season. We'd do Arden. We did Sunday night a concert, uh, Monday night a dance, Tuesday night a dance in a different hall, Wednesday night across to the mainland, drove up to Wick or Thurso or wherever. And a lot of driving. Did the gig, drove right back down, got the ferry over to go on and do the gig on the Thursday night, the Friday night, we worked seven nights a week for eight weeks mm. in the summer. And we didn't have a night off. Mm. And we were ba getting paid £12.50 a week. And Ian Mingus, bless him, bought a hotel in Jersey from the proceeds because we ran all the dances. I set them up because I knew Arden well. I set all the dances up, set the the summer season up. Um, Ian paid for the full band's accommodation with all their families uh, for the eight weeks, the rental of the hall for the eight weeks, all the fairs for the eight weeks in the first four days because it was there was yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah. Every dance was jammed yeah. by the same people every night. Wow. And there was maybe three, four hundred in every night, five hundred. Mm. And Ian bought a hotel in Jersey from from the proceeds wow. Amazing. of that tour. Yeah. Uh, and we went along, I can remember going along, 
after about five weeks, one Sunday morning, we all decided to go to the band leader's house and we went to his house. He'd rented a house. We were all in digs and uh, demanded more money. Well, I was just going to say, did you get a good whack of it? I mean, well, we got, we got, our wages went up to £18 a week. <laughs> £18 a week. I mean, we were... That's a lot then. And at that time, Acker's band was earning £50 a week. Mm. We were on £12.50. And we were travelling three times as much as any. We were the most travelled band in... I mean, George Melly in his book said that we were the most travelled band in Britain as we were. Mm. And he said, that he put it, that the band every so often used to stop at a roadside and everybody would get out and punch each other <laughs> and then get back in the van again. And it wasn't quite like that, but it could have been. Yeah. But, I mean, really it was... It was hard going. Yeah, no, it sounds... Did your voice... And it work? toughened, okay. toughened the voice. How I ended up with any voice at all, I'll never know, because mm. I really wrecked it. And did you have monitors at that time? Uh, we, I remember the first time we got monitors, and they were still in these plain wooden boxes, you know, wedge monitors, but they didn't really work. They didn't, I didn't think... I mean, Ian was setting up the PA, but he was not you know, not interested in... It's really funny, isn't it? Mm. How now it's become really important. Yeah. I'm still not very good with sound checks, you know, because half the things I did all my life, there was hardly any yeah. sound. Yeah. And, you know, I know that if you go in... You go in, I've, I've seen you going in and say, no, I, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and I've seen Madeline doing it, and I'll think, I just want it to sound all right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, what was the lineup in the Stompers? It was uh, piano, bass, drums, banjo, trumpet, trombone, clarinet. So it was a seven-piece band. So it was a lot of, it a was lot a lot of volume for you And quite to... often, no microphone. Well, Fiona. You know, and I sang with it. I mm. sang at St Andrew's Halls with that microphone. Yeah. When, no, it was the City Hall. The mics broke down on uh, the tour in 1981, and I was doing Battle Hymn of the fucking Republic, and uh, it was, there was, it, I mean... They turned away about 700 people on the door. There was, don't know how many, it was mobbed, and the mics packed in. Oh. And I just went on, I just did it without microphone. And uh, it was, you know, they could hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could hear it. You ignore every star above you All over now, you changed. 
This episode featured the song You've Changed from Fiona Duncan's CD Fiona's Fellas, released by Fat Records. You can hear more tracks by Fiona Duncan at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Fiona Duncan. Singer to Singer is a Sophie Bancroft production. Visit www.sophiebancroft.co.uk for more information. Thank you.